Hello, everyone. You're listening to Unlocking Greatness Podcast with Zenja Glass. Feel free to call me Z. There is a secret to overcoming discouragement. There's a secret that I feel that God has revealed and shown me to when discouragement comes into our lives, how we need to respond to it. I have never, I shouldn't say never, it's been a long time since I've seen so many situations happen in the lives of people uh, around me, uh, and even to some degree in my own life at times, uh, but so many people being discouraged, so many things that have happened. Even today I had a talk with someone, and um, uh, he was very discouraged by some news he found out. And one of the first things that I said to him is I said, you realize that this is spiritual. And, and he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, you realize this is in the spirit. Everything that happens in the physical, it, it first manifests itself in the spirit. And so I said, this, this opposition that you feel that you're facing, all that is is a confirmation. It's almost as if you're being vetted. It's a confirmation of the greatness that's inside of you. This opposition that you're dealing with, this discouragement that you're feeling. And by the time we were done talking, there's a lot of the things I said, and I'm going to get into this in just a little bit. But I want to start off by reminding you all, please don't ever in your life forget Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12 is a a scripture I've talked about in almost every lesson recently about the true struggle, the true battle. It's really not against flesh and blood. This battle that we all face is in the spirit. Remember that passage? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against what? The rulers. What else? The authorities. Uh, What else? Um, uh, And the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I say that, but you got to make sure you get that. Let that soak in. So everything that happens in the physical, this is just the way I view my life. Let me let me just go do it from my perspective. Anything that's happening in my life, I am now in the spirit. I'm doing my best and I'm, I'm going on long prayer walks, talking with God, asking him to guide me to show me how in the spirit to address the issue instead of in the physical. And in fact, if I can be so um, bold to say, and I'm going to discuss two people in the Bible who did this, there's many, but I'm going to focus on two. I want to go ahead in the spirit by the authority that's given to me in Jesus Christ. And I hope you know that you have authority. We've went over that many times. I want to go ahead in the spirit and I want to proclaim in the spirit what shall be in the name of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Go ahead in the spirit so that whatever's in the spirit then comes in the physical. Go ahead in my finances. Go ahead in my marriage. Go ahead in my, w- with my children. Go ahead in my businesses. Go ahead in just about everything that I say and do. Go ahead in the spirit. Let's talk about two people in the Bible. Because you may say, well, Z, I'm still not quite getting it. Remember Daniel? Uh, uh, I just want to touch on Daniel a little bit. But remember Daniel. Remember Daniel interpreted the, the dream for uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember all of that? Let's not forget what happened when he went into the lion's den or before he went into the lion's den. Remember in Daniel uh, chapter, and I want to talk about Esther in a second too, but just follow me a second. I'll start with Daniel because Esther, her story is going to take a little bit longer. But remember in Daniel chapter six, 
You go there and read it yourself. I'm not going to read off the word. But the bottom line is these men were jealous of Daniel because at this point he had won some favor in the sight of the king. Remember, he interpreted the dream and did a lot of things. Um, but uh, it says in verse um, eight, uh, now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Uh-oh. Now I'm jumping down to verse uh, f- uh, right before verse five. It says they, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. These were some of the administrators and people who were a little jealous of him. Finally, these men said, I'm in verse five. We will never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So now I'm going to just skip down a little bit. They basically uh, tricked the king into um, agreeing that anyone who prays to any God or man, I'm in verse seven, um, during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, we know the story of the lion's den. We've talked about that. You know, he was thrown in the lion's den. God sent an angel to, you know, shut the mouths of the lions. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember how the story in basically the next day when the king opened up the door to wherever these lions were, Daniel was standing there unharmed, untouched, all that. We know that. But let's not miss this middle part of when there's discouragement. And this is a piece that God just kind of shined his light on me and said, you need to share this with my people who are feeling discouraged. In verse 10. So imagine you, 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 you've done some good. You're minding your own business. You're not trying to bother nobody. And someone has devised a scheme, some kind of way against you to bring harm into your life. Just, just follow that for a second. What do you think the first response should be? What do you think the response naturally would be of any discouraging news? So just kind of make the story your own. Look at what Daniel did. Look at this secret. Look at this secret in verse 10. Right after this was put in writing, and it couldn't be undone, by the way, because when the king puts his signet ring on it, there's no undoing it. It's a whole nother subject. We've talked about that before. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned, I'm in, I'm in Daniel chapter, what chapter am I in? Chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs, in the King James Version, I think it says in the upper room, in the upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he has done the day before. I got to read that again. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And then it just goes on to talk about then the men, you know, found Daniel praying and and asking God for help. Uh, And so they went to the king and basically spoke negatively about him and said, hey, you see what I mean? He's still doing this. We need to put him in the lion's den. And he and and you, you know the rest of the story. But don't miss that little secret. The decree was just published. That If that's not discouragement, I don't know what is. And Daniel, just as he had continued to do before, went before God in prayer. And not only in prayer, but praised him. Remember I told you guys a long time ago, um, for those who are new to the podcast, I did a podcast a while back. I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, my goodness, I should have thought of the name. But it's got a picture of my mom on the thumbnail image. And my and 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 it, it it the the premise of that podcast is I remember before my mom died the secret that she taught me was praising God in the storm that that was the secret 
Let's turn to Esther real quick. I kind of forgotten some gems about the book of Esther. And, um, uh, you know, the, the, the shortest version with Esther is she was the one that became queen. Her, I think it was her cousin, was Mordecai. Um, I think that was her cousin um, or uncle. I think it was her cousin. He raised her uh, because her parents had died. She became queen. And there was an, um, I guess you can say an edict or law or, or something put into place um, that they would uh, get rid of all the Jews. Um, and Mordecai uh, basically said to Esther, do you think that uh, because you're in the king's palace, you won't, um, you know, be put to death as well? Because they didn't know that she was, that she was um, Jewish. And the bottom line is Queen Esther uh, really put her life at risk by going before the king um, asking basically, can this edict, uh, you know, like be undone, you know, can something be done to help my people? And, and just so you know, when you go before the king, especially back in that time, when you go before the king, that's almost like a death sentence, because if you go before him and you haven't been summoned, he literally has the right to put you to death. But see, there's a gem in this story that I've missed. And I'd already read the story of Esther the other day. Um, and then God led me to read it again this morning. I'm like, why am I reading this again this morning? And I'm reading it again this morning because there's a secret in here to discouragement. I thought all this time this story was about Esther. And it actually was not, at least in my mindset. So let me first read through a few things to kind of back up what I said um, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story. Um, in verse uh, chapter 2, in verse 10, um, Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Uh, you know, she was basically chosen to be queen because there's this other queen named Queen Vesti who basically totally embarrassed the king, didn't come out of the room when, she, when he told her to, and he basically just said, look, you can't even come into my presence anymore. I'm going to find somebody else. And Esther was very beautiful, and the king fell in love with her, and the very bottom line is she became the queen. Uh, but he didn't know that she was Jewish. So let me read on a little bit more here, and I'm going to get to the meat of what I want to talk about. Um, Mordecai, this is a gem I missed in chapter 2, uh, un unveiled a conspiracy. There was a conspiracy to kill um, the king. So let me, let me pick up in verse 21. During the time uh, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, and it's called Bigatha and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway became angry and conspired to assassinate King, um, I don't even know how to pronounce it, I'm just going to say Xerix. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, uh, giving credit to Mordecai. Uh, and when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on gallows. So you may say, Z, where are you going with that? This is a huge part of this story. So Mordecai basically uh, discovered that they were trying to take this king out and in many ways saved his life. But guess who got the credit for it? person named Haman, H-A-M-A-N. After these events, King, uh, uh, and again, I can't pronounce the name. Let's just say um, Zur Zuri, uh, honored Haman. Um, son of Hamadullah, the, the um, Agite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. That's interesting. All the royals at the king's gate knelt before and paid honor to Haman. So you may say, wait, 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 where is this kind of going? Um, Mordecai's, um, and again, I think it was his, it was his cousin. In, in chapter 2, verse 7, it says Mordecai had a cousin. Okay, so it was his cousin. So Mordecai's cousin's queen, right? She's Jewish. They don't know. Um, and uh, 
some kind of way some people tried to conspire to kill the king. Uh, Mordecai helps him out, you know, by revealing this. But look who's getting the credit. It's this guy named Hanan. Uh, and it says, um, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded um, this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or, or give honor. So let me just jump down a little bit in verse 5. Um, when Hanan saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scored the idea, scorned the idea of killing, of, of, uh, scorned the idea of killing only Matt, um, Mordecai. Instead, Hanan looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of, of, uh, of Xerxes. So he wouldn't bow down and honor him. This guy Hammond gets upset and is like, I'm not only going to take you out, I'm going to take out all your people. I'm going somewhere with this. Just follow me because this gets really good. So down in verse, um, uh, 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 I guess you can read verse 8 through 10 or so. The bottom line is that um, they convinced the king that it was in his best interest to not tolerate these people. And if it pleases the king, I'm in verse 9, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And uh, the king basically gave his signet ring and put a seal on it, which means that it can't be undone. Now, follow where this is going. This is where this is. This is why I love God so much in the face of discouragement. So. Uh, and uh, let me see here. Uh, and now later on. Da, 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 da. So there was a, There was this um, this proclamation of whatever given that they would all be destroyed. Now, something happened that night when the king was trying to sleep. Something happened that night. Uh, and, and before I jump into that night when he was trying to sleep, Esther did something so amazing. In chapter 4, in verse 15, uh, it says, "Then uh, uh, this is after um, Mordecai basically got on her and said, you're going to need to go before the king. Let, let me just slow down because I feel like I'm rushing and it's not going to make sense if I, if I rush. I'm in chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. You talk about discouragement because you just found out that there's an edict that's been given that's going to take not only you out but all of your people. So Mordecai was greatly distressed by that. And now, now let me jump on over to what he said to his cousin. Um, uh, in verse, uh, let's just say eight or so, um, a message was sent to her. And he told him to urge her to go to the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead for him, uh, plead with him for her people. Uh, in verse nine, it says, uh, she, this is the message that Esther sent back to Mordecai. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king, in the inner court, without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold ske uh, scepter, uh, scepter, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, to him and spare his life. And then, um, uh, uh, but 30 days um, have, uh, in, in verse 12, it says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you're in the king's house, you alone, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and, and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your, your father's family, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. In other words, he's saying, I understand you're concerned about your life, but has it appeared to you that maybe 
this is why God elevated and put you in this position in the first place? Now, here it is in verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, day or night, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I want to pause there for just a second. Why did she even instruct them to do any fasting or, you know, praying and all of that? Why did she approach that in the spirit first? You know, many of us, I think if, if I at that time would have been around, I probably would have ran straight to the king, you know, forget that. I'm, I'm just going to run straight at him. Look at this secret in this. The battle was fought first in the spirit. They fasted for a couple days, praying and fasting. Well, why is that even important? Like, what did it have to do with anything? Accessing in the spirit first, in the face of discouraging news. I don't even know any news that's more discouraging than that. You know, whatever nationality you are, whoever's watching me or listening to this podcast, but can you just imagine fighting it in the spirit first? So that's what she did. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. But the very bottom line is Esther went before the king. He didn't end up killing her. He actually said, hey, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And she devised a really good strategy um, to have two, basically two banquets for him, two kind of parties honoring him. And she had Hannon, that same man. Now, this is going full circle. So just follow me for one more minute. Hannon, the same person who wanted to uh, take out Uh, Mordecai and all his people she actually had him come to the banquet as well now watch this because Hannon he's feeling pretty good like I'm somebody special so Hannon said in verse 12 I'm in I'm in chapter 5 of Esther he says I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to this banquet she gave and she invited me along with the king tomorrow Okay, so then he goes on down. Here's where it gets a little dark in verse 14. His wife, Zeresh, and all of his friends said to him, have gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Hanan, and he had the gallows built. Now, please listen for one more minute to this because I'm at the tip end of the point I'm trying to make. Esther goes before the king. He didn't. He did not end up killing her. She's strategizing a little bit. She's she's having these banquets be, before she really tells him the deal that you know one she's Jewish and two hey can you reverse this some kind of way can you do something? In the meantime, the guy that got the honor when it should have been Mordecai all along who's devising to take his life. Follow me on this. He's the very one, the very very one who says, I'm going to have a gallow built and I'm going to basically, you know, cut off his head. And I'm going to do this actually before the banquet. Now, wouldn't you be discouraged if you were Mordecai? That's discouragement, right? But do you remember what happened prior? Do you remember the fasting, the praying? Do you remember that? Fighting that battle in the spirit instead of in the physical? Watch what God did. Watch what he did. And this is prominent all through the Bible, just so you know, in many, many stories. I'm trying my best to narrow this down to just two stories um, of just Daniel and Esther. But I had a hard time deciding even which story to talk about because I could I could have went into Elijah and a whole lot of others. But anyway, chapter six and verse. Uh, this is Esther, the book of Esther, chapter six. That night, the king could not sleep 
Now, if you don't remember anything else from what I just said, please, by the grace of God, remember what I just said. You may say, well, Z, that, I don't see that as a really powerful line. What's so powerful about that? Please listen to this again. Look what's happening in the spirit. Please listen to this. When we're sitting and we're discouraged and we're feeling like, God, I don't even know how I'm going to make it. God, this person at work is doing me so wrong. God, this situation is just not right. Like, I don't even know how I can get out of this. The gallows is built. The edict has been put in writing and stamped with the king's signet ring. This is over. How am I supposed to get out of this situation? You know? I don't see a way out. It looks like this person has won, not only won, but gotten the glory from me when I actually was trying to do right and help save the king's life. All of these people, you may be feeling all these people conspiring against me to to lie on me and say things about me. And they're the ones getting promoted and they're the ones seem like they don't have any issues. And what what is going on? I'm, I'm praying that someone is still listening to this. Esther, her maids, Mordecai and the others went forth in the spirit. Remember the fasting, the praying and all of that? Look how God moves on our behalf. Esther chapter 6 verse 1. That night the king could not sleep. Now if you know some other stories in the Bible, that alone should stop you right there because it should remind you of some other people who were disturbed in their sleep when something was off. That night the king could not sleep. So what did he do? So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought into him and read to him. Okay, you may say, well, okay, Z, what's the big deal with that? Uh, and just so you know, the Chronicles, think of it as he went and got the newspaper, or he went, I don't know, um, trying to think where's the history stored, you know, but, you know, it's not like they could turn on the TV, but Anything that kind of happened during the reign of a king was always recorded in these books, you know, these chronicles and what have you. So he wanted to see kind of like what's the latest news, what's something I may have missed, right? Um, Making sure that everything in his reign is accurately recorded. So just please follow and listen to this. I got to start over again. Chapter 6, verse 1. That night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of the chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. Okay. It was found recorded that that uh, it was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bigatha and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway. Uh oh. Who had conspired to assassinate King Xerix? What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. This is so good. I just took it myself. I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with me, but I, th- this is to me is better than any movie. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who, who is in the court? Now, Hanan had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. So Hanan, feeling good about himself, he's headed to the king to discuss, hey, before we had his second banquet that Queen Esther's throwing for us, Can we hang him first real quick? That'll make me happy. (laughs) Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. 
His attendants answered, Hanan is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king answered. When Hanan entered, um, the king asked him, this is uh, verse uh, 6 now, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Hanan thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? You talk about pride. That's a whole nother podcast we'll get into later. So he automatically thought the king was talking about honoring him. So he answered the king for the man the king delights to honor. Um, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and uh, I don't know, a horse the king has ridden. Um, one with a royal crest placed on his head. Then um, let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Um, let them robe the man um, the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming him. This is what's done for the man. Let the king that the king delights to honor. So he really amped it up real good, right? This this podcast is still on discouragement because you got to remember this. Mordecai don't know any of this that's going on. Some of you are discouraged right now. You don't even know what's going on in the spirit on your behalf right now. You don't even know the changes that are happening. You don't know who God's keeping up in the middle of the night who can't sleep. You don't know what moves he's making on your, your behalf. And you're discouraged because the gallows are built, right? The, the, the proclamation or the edict has already been rendered, right? Can't be changed. The king did it with his signet ring, so you definitely don't see any way out. And you're sitting crying, discouraged, saddened, can barely pray. I'm not talking about you. I'm actually reflecting on myself when I've had these moments, okay? So you get my point. But you're sitting here and you're so discouraged when God's already gone ahead and caused someone to be sleepless. The king couldn't sleep and ordered the Chronicles to come in. I should have started the podcast off with this because I don't even know how many people would listen to it all the way to this point. But you guys know I'm long winded. I try to be short winded. Don't always work. The edict had already been decreed. Mordecai is not a part of this story. He's not like he's sitting in the room. That's the part I'm trying to get you to see. It's not like Mordecai is sitting in the room and he's even aware of what's going on. My God. Gosh, I hope one person gets this. I'll be happy if just one person. Where am I at? Lord, you're so good. Okay, so Hannah and Basie talked it up, say, hey, here's all the things that should be done, blah, 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 blah. I'm in uh, Esther chapter six, verse 10. So here's the king's response. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew. (laughs) Who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. Whoa. So picture yourself in Mordecai's shoes. That's what I need you to do. Because it's easy to see it from the other side. Look through his eyes. He's sitting at the gate. He's mourning. He's wailing. He's praying. He's fasting. He knows his cousin's trying to do something to convince the king. He may not even understand why is she tripping and having all these banquets for him when she needs to be doing what I told her to do. I don't know what he was thinking. But whatever it was, he wasn't a part of this conversation. I, all I know is according to the scriptures, he's sitting his butt, and I mean that with respect, at the gate. Oblivious to what's going on. 
How many of us are sitting at the gate right now and we're oblivious to what's happening? What God is working out behind the scenes. It just looks so bad. Oh my God, Z, it just looks so dark. Oh my God, Z, here's what's happening. And here's what's happening. And here's what's happening. And God's already gone three months and two weeks and five days, two hours, 47 seconds ahead of you and already puts you in a situation that's going to change your entire life around. And you don't even know it because he's working through someone. God always works through man, by the way. Whole nother subject. Let me get back to this. My God. He said, go at once. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you've suggested. Now I'm in verse 11. So Hammond got the robe. Can you imagine the pride, the, the, the humility at that point? So Hammond got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets. <laughs> he led him. God is just so doggone good. Mm, mm, mm. very person that tried to harm you had to lead you on horseback through the city uh, streets proclaiming before him this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor listen to verse 12 afterwards Mordecai returned to the king's gate but Haman rushed home I bet he did rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh his wife and all his friends everything that had happened his advisors and his wife, um, uh, Zeshra, said to him, um, uh, uh, since, Morde since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. So she basically was just like, you should have known better. You can't stand against this man. This is a man of God, blah, 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 blah. It was like, didn't you give me the idea to do the gallows? But anyway, chapter 7. Um, so the king... Um, and Hanan went down, went to dine with Queen Esther. And as they were drinking wine on that second day, the king asked again, Queen Esther, what is it? What, what is your petition? Mind you, this is a little second banquet party, whatever you want to say that she that, that, that she's thrown. He says, what is the, what, what is it that you want? Then Queen Esther answered, if I found favor with you, O king, um, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Ooh, look how she's trying to, you know, juice him up a little bit and give him a little honor and strategy, you know, a little respect. The, the strategy was just unreal. King Xerix uh, asked Queen Esther, well, who is he? Who is this man that's dared to do such a thing? Because remember, he loved Queen Esther. She was beautiful. That was his favorite. Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this vile Hanan. And she, I'm assuming she points to him. The Bible don't say that, but that she points to him. Then Hanan was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left um, his wine, and went out to the palace garden. But Hanan, check this out, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. I'm not going to read all through the rest that happened, but basically the same gallow that he had set up for uh, Mordecai, the king ended up using on him, and not only him, his sons as well. It's pretty gruesome. And I'll go on to say that Mordecai um, was elevated to levels you just would not believe, and um, uh, uh, they allowed the king allowed Mordecai to basically... Um, uh, write some orders 
um, so that the Jews could defend themselves. And they ended up, um, you know, winning the war. And um, when the attack did come against them, because it couldn't really be undone, but the king was able to over, I, I shouldn't use the word overrule. He was able to allow Mordecai to allow them to defend themselves. And so you can read all through that yourself uh, to see how it all worked out. But the bottom line is that they were fine. They end up winning. Um, in fact, um, um, there was tens of thousands, I think, of them that were taken out um, um, that the Jews were able to defend themselves against. And uh, Mordecai was just elevated to levels you wouldn't believe. In fact, Hanan's own house was given over to him. It's actually given to the queen, but then she gave it to her cousin. So Mordecai was just badder than bad and ended up taking over everything. Um, and uh, a holiday was developed from this and so on and so on. I won't get into the rest of the story. Um, but the premise of what I'm trying to get at in this, I pray that somebody caught this where I'm going with it is when we're discouraged and we're human we all get discouraged I'm not getting on anyone for getting discouraged at times God knows I've been there but I'm just talking about when there's constant opposition that comes our way or when we feel like things are so out of place we don't see our way out we don't see the good in this we don't understand why all of this is happening and we're sitting there in in, in sackcloth and ashes as Mordecai did at the gate just don't see no way out the gallows are built the edict has been sworn in. It can't be changed. And my only little tiny hope is my cousin may be convincing the king to do something. Not to mention I'm the one that saved the king's life. <laughs> and I got no credit for that. But look how God moved and look what happened in the spirit. It goes back to that secret. I'm going to wrap this up in just a couple seconds. It goes back to that secret my mom taught me. I thank God for blessing me with such an amazing mother who loved God with all her heart, mind, body, and soul. I can barely remember having a conversation with her where she didn't talk about God and quote me a scripture. But one of the main things she told me before she left, she said, baby, don't you ever stop praising him. She said, the secret is to praise him in the storm. That's the secret. And I get it. I get it. There's a spiritual realm that we literally enter in prayer. And I would even dare say fasting in prayer. In every major story in the Bible that I can think of, and I can be wrong on this, that I can think of, you could talk about before King David went back into war, um, before Elijah called down, you know, um, uh, the fire, before the fire came down from, from heaven on all of the, what was it, the 12 stones and all the water when, he, when Elijah was uh, going to, I shouldn't say war, but against the king and all those people. Almost every story that I can think of, there was a spiritual realm that was accessed to win the battle. Look at Joseph. Anybody you can think of. Literally, I can't, I, I can't think of any situation where that didn't happen. I'm sure there may be some. So what is that teaching us when we're discouraged? Don't look in the physical. Fight in the spirit. Can you imagine what would have happened if, um, this would be my last point, but can you imagine what would have happened if, um, what's her name? Esther. If Esther, as soon as she found out that news, would have, would have uh, I don't want to use the word overreacted, but let's just say freaked out, overreacted, ran straight to the king. No prayer, no fasting, no nothing. No, no strategy of the banquets and all of that. Can you imagine what would have happened? Now, maybe he still would have showed some favor. But look how through that time of taking it to, before God and fighting in the spirit, look what happened. Hannon ended up devising a scheme that came back on himself. The king ended up being disturbed in his sleep. 
He's the one called the book of the Chronicles. He's the one that's like, well, who's this Mordecai guy? Like, what, ha- what is this? I didn't know about this. You get my point? By accessing and fighting in the spirit, it's almost as if you access the authority to allow the spiritual fight to happen. You allow God to move. That's why I say the discouragement or the opposition is all it is is a confirmation. It's an opportunity to go higher. It's an opportunity to, I don't see no way out of this, God. This is not good news for me. The gallows are built. The edict's been done. I don't know anything else to do other than to go before you in praise and worship and fasting. That's why I read Daniel. Just when he found out, you about to get your butt thrown in the lion's den, and I do mean that with respect. How are you going to go up there and be praying three times a day and doing all of that and praising God? Why was he doing that? Was he out of, was he having a, you know, I, I don't like using the term being out of his mind because I, I like to respect people. But you get my point? Well, what, what, he wasn't doing that just to do it. What was he accessing? Anyway, I've talked enough. I love you all. I pray that this has encouraged you. That you need to realize the battle is in the spirit. It's not in the physical. And in the face of discouragement, there's some things that happen even with my company. I won't even go into it because it's not even worth going into. But I was able to tell my team, oh, God's got this. All of these things coming at us is just a confirmation. God is just showing me more and more and more. Here's the direction I want you to go. All he's doing is just lining me up. Because what they don't know, uh, this will be my last thing I'll say. What they don't know, I've already gone ahead in the spirit. I've already gone ahead in the spirit. Why do you think I get up so early in the morning and I'm out and I'm praying and I'm and I'm for at least a good hour, hour and a half. I literally go on prayer walks. I'm, I've already gone ahead in the spirit. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the real battle. So whatever happens in the physical is just sort of a little manifestation. You get my point? I love you all. I pray that you've been encouraged. And if you are um, dealing with discouragement and uh, I want to be very, very careful in saying this. Um, if you if you feel that you need to get some sort of professional help, please never be afraid to do that. I am not a professional counselor um, or or uh, expert in that field. So if you feel like, hey, Z, this is all good, but I really feel like I got to get some some professional um, um, help from um, a medical professional, please do that and never be afraid to do that. But I do want to leave this with you. Please also make sure that you're fighting in the spirit. I love you all. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. Bye-bye.